0: Well good morning everybody and it's so good uh, to be with you again this morning as we're entering what I think probably is what the sixth, uh, seventh week of lockdown and um, and I know it's been a challenging time for many of us Uh, but we pray that God has been strengthening your spirits and through this time you've been able to see God at work in your family, in your lives and in our nation. If you've been tracking with us over the last three weeks you know we've been dwelling in 1 Peter. And uh, Peter really is about, um, he's encouraging the church, and he's trying to tell them how perseverance, how we need to kind of be persevering through uh, problems, through tribulations, and how God uses that to build our hope and our faith. And um, Peter is what's known as a general epistle. Um, An epistle is simply a letter that was written by an apostle, And um, in fact, most of the New Testament are filled with epistles. Uh, But Peter is a general epistle because it wasn't specifically written to a target audience or a very unique target audience. Unlike many of Paul's letters that were either written to the church in Corinth or to Galatia um, or to the church in Ephesus or maybe to somebody like Timothy, Peter is writing to the broader body of Christ. And he's challenging the broader body of Christ to say, Hey guys, when you're going through tough times, don't be concerned. Don't think the end of the world is near, even though it could be, because God is going to carry us through it. Now, it's interesting, folks, because when Peter wrote this, it was probably around about 60 AD, and that was the time when Emperor Nero was in charge. He was the emperor of the, of the entire Roman Empire, and he was notorious for his persecution of Christians. He was probably the emperor responsible for the deaths of both Peter and Paul, not to mention thousands of other Christians who were martyred for their faith at the time. Now let's just reflect on that for a second. You want to talk about a crisis. Things don't get worse than this. This is a time when some of the most prominent leaders in this young Christian movement, a movement that hasn't been around for more than 30 years or so, are being massacred in some of the most horrendous ways. I'm sure most most of the body of Christ were kind of looking around at each other and wondering, is this it? Is this the end of our faith? Is this the end of the world? And in fact, many of the apostles thought that the end of the world would be nigh, even when they were writing these letters. And so when Peter wrote this letter, we've got to understand he wasn't dealing with some theoretical, doctrinal concept. Peter wasn't writing something that we would sit and reflect on 2,000 years later. But Peter was addressing something that was at the forefront of every single believer's mind. Right there and then, every believer was wondering, what's wrong with me? Why am I suffering? God, what's wrong with you? God, why Why? why are we suffering like this? God, what's wrong with the church? Why are we suffering? And so I guess in many respects, one Peter is pretty relevant to us today as well. Because right now in the middle of a global COVID-19 pandemic, in the middle of an economic recession, I think many of us are crying out, saying, "Lord, what's wrong with me? Why am I suffering? Lord, what's wrong with you, Lord? Why, why am I suffering? Why am I seeing so much suffering around? Lord, what's wrong with us as the church? Why are we suffering?" And folks, Peter's answers are as relevant to us today as they were 2,000 years ago. Because Peter simply says this. He says that when we suffer for the sake of the gospel, there is nothing wrong with you. There is nothing wrong with God. There is nothing wrong with the church. Peter's saying not only is suffering a normal part of our Christian life, as much as we don't like to hear that sermon, but Peter's saying it's not just about being a normal part of our life. He says what suffering does is it actually builds our hope and our faith as believers. And what we're going to see today is that Peter lands this in chapter 4 of his letter. He says, right here in chapter 4, which is where we're going to be spending most of our time today, he not only goes and shows that it's a normal part of Christian life, but he goes on to show how this persecution, how suffering actually builds our hope and our faith in God. Now before we go too far, I want to just... Illustrate something to you right here i've got in front of me i um a nachi and a lemon and how many of you know that if you squeeze these two fruits you get a very very different flavor and taste of what comes out of them the first thing to note is that what comes out of these two fruits is not determined by the pressure that's being applied to them but what already exists inside of them We have been inundated by calls over the last few weeks where couples have been said, we need help in our marriage. We need to figure out how to do life together. It wasn't that the lockdown brought about the problems in the marriage, but what the lockdown did was it started squeezing that marriage. And what was already inside started coming out. And so I want to encourage you today, if as you felt the squeezing or the pressure brought on by COVID-19 lockdown processes, if you haven't really liked what you've seen coming out, this is an opportunity for us to repent. Because what God wants to do is He wants to make sure that when we get squeezed, it's not something bitter, something sour, that's sharp taste that kind of offends people. But God wants to make sure that when we get squeezed, His goodness comes out. And so what Peter is doing in this letter is he's not addressing it to the lemons. He's addressing it to the body of Christ. He's addressing it to the people that have tasted and seen that the Lord is good. He's addressing it to the people that despite having committed their lives to him are still feeling pressure. But he's saying, don't worry about it because as that pressure gets applied, as long as my goodness comes forth, my kingdom will be established. So Peter is talking to the Nazis. Say to yourself, say to your friend, I'm a Nazi only in this context, but Peter is talking to the Nazis, he's talking to those who have had their lives transformed by God. And Peter's now speaking to them and he's saying, listen guys, you will have suffering, you will have persecution, it's not going to feel like fun. But know this, that when you apply a biblical lens to what's happening in your life, you will see God in the midst of it. Now what do I mean by a biblical lens? Well, I borrowed one of these from the film crew before we started. This is a lens. It fits on the front of a camera. In fact, it's probably the most expensive part of a camera. Now, a lens can just be completely unfiltered, which means what you see is what you get. You know, um, And hopefully, you know, the lens that you've got you know, w- looking at me right now, um, it could be one that is just a standard lens. And so you're seeing exactly what you see, and you're also only seeing pretty much me filling most of the frame but we have another lens here which is a wide-angle lens. And when we switch to the wide-angle lens, you'll notice that I'm a lot smaller in the frame and you see a whole lot more of the picture. And so certain things become more focused and other things fall out of focus. What Peter is saying to us is he's saying, when you look at persecution, it's important that you use the right lens. And the lens that Peter wants us to use is a biblical lens. And that biblical lens, folks, Peter says we need to look at persecution in three ways. We need to look at it with a lens of perspective. We need to look at it through a lens of purpose. And we need to look at it through a lens of perseverance. And when we are able to look at it through those biblical lenses, we will see why Peter believes that perseverance isn't just normal, but perseverance itself. Sorry, that persecution isn't just normal, but that persecution itself builds hope and builds faith. So let's kick off together. The lens of perspective. Now as believers, we see things differently. For those of us that look in from the outside, those that are not yet part of the body of Christ, often they will look at us and they'll kind of look and say, are you guys for real? Are you serious? This looks a bit like a fantasy novel. It doesn't seem real. So let's read together in 1 Peter, chapter 4, and just see if we see some of this fantasy novel stuff coming out. Verse 1, Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourself also with the same attitude, because whoever suffers in the body is done with sin. As a result, they do not live the rest of their earthly lives for evil human desires, but rather for the will of God. They, the world, are surprised that you do not join them in their reckless and their wild living. Hmm, Peter, are you for real? Christ suffered, so will we. Peter's suffering confirms that sin no longer has a hold over me. Peter, how do you get this? Now, Peter's not alone, guys. Because Paul, the other apostles, they back him up. Paul in 2 Corinthians 4 verse 17 says, For this light, (laughs) this light and momentary affliction is preparing us for an actual eternal weight of glory. Beyond all comparison. Now you're probably going, man, I'm a Christian and that sounds like science fiction to me. You almost expect Peter and Paul pause and then kind of go, ha ha, just kidding. But they aren't kidding. Because they're both applying a biblical lens of perspective to trials, to pain, and to suffering. When Paul says it's light and momentary, he means as compared to what? He's saying, guys, get the right perspective. Because the trials, the tribulations, the persecutions compared to what you have are light and momentary. When I was thinking of an illustration to use for perspective, I was reminded of a story I'd heard many, many years ago. It's the story of an old agnostic professor who was forced to change his perspective on life. One day he chose to visit the islands in Fiji. And these islands were originally feared because of great and fearsome cannibalistic warriors that used to live there, cannibalistic because they would eat the flesh of their humans. And this agnostic professor, on visiting this island, was talking to one of the great leaders, and he critically remarked this to an elderly chief. He said, you're a great leader, but um, it's such a pity that you were taken in by those missionaries. You see, no one believes the Bible anymore. We now know better. I'm so sorry that you've been taken advantage of by foolish and naive Christian fables. The old chief listened, nodded so- solemnly, and then simply responded as follows. He said, Professor, do you see that great rock over there? On that rock, we smashed the heads of our victims, and then we roasted their bodies in the furnace next to the rock. If it hadn't been for the missions, if it hadn't been for the transforming power of the Word of God, if it hadn't been for the love of Jesus that has changed us, you and I, Professor, would not be having this intellectual, although misguided, conversation right now, Professor. I would be feasting on your flesh. (laughs) I think that perspective of the professor changed quite radically. Because all of a sudden, this theoretical concept of a God and who needs one became a reality. See, this chief wasn't thinking theoretically about the concept of a God. This chief knew how that God had changed the lives of his ancestors radically. Where they used to be a cannibalistic nation destroying their enemies and eating their flesh, their lives had been completely transformed. So what are Peter and Paul saying to us? What should our perspective as believers therefore be? Right now we're in the midst of a global pandemic. It's already infected almost 4 million people. It has brought the world to a standstill. We recognize its danger, and we are treating this pandemic with a great deal of respect and care. But let me tell you about the greatest pandemic of all times. A pandemic much more dangerous than COVID-19. A pandemic that has affected all 7 billion people that preside on the earth right now and every single one of those who have lived before we did. It's a pandemic which results in certain death for every single person as soon as they are born on this planet. The good news, though, is that there's a vaccine, and this vaccine is readily available. A vaccine that not only sets us completely free from the symptoms of this pandemic, but sets in motion a good work that God, through His Holy Spirit, begins to do in us, and through us and continue to do us until we reach the state of perfection. This work takes us deeper and deeper, further and further, from glory to glory. And of course, that vaccine is Jesus Christ. When we consider the price that was paid, the debt that was forgiven, and the victory that was attained, friends, we have no choice but to agree with Peter and Paul It changes our perspective on every other kind of challenge that we face. It changes our perspective on whatever else life might throw at us. Because you see, friends, our hope and faith in the midst of persecution is not some strange science fiction novel. It's the realization that even if the enemy does his worst, compared to what's already been done for me, What's already been attained for me at Calvary, anything else in comparison, is perspective. And friends, I don't want to make light of any of the specific and special circumstances that you might be facing right now. But I would like to urge you the way Peter and Paul urged their followers in their letters to pause And reflect on what he's done for us. Because with the right perspective, we will see things the way God sees them. But Peter gives us a second reason for how faith and hope are built in the midst of persecution and suffering. And that's through the lens of purpose. Verse 8 says, above all, love each other deeply. Because love covers a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. (laughs) Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. Friend, Peter makes it abundantly clear that despite our circumstances, We've got a job to do. We are here for a purpose. God placed us and left us on this earth because he has a plan. We are to be his hands. We are to be his feet. We are to love people the way he loves them, verse 8. We are to serve people the way he would serve them, verse 10. We are to speak the way he would speak, verse 11. So that through our actions, people will be drawn closer and closer to God. Our purpose, friends, is to reflect Christ to the world. Our purpose is to be the instrument through which the Holy Spirit flows. Viktor Frankl was an Austrian neurologist and psychiatrist who was captured by the Nazis in World War II and held in many concentration camps, including Auschwitz. He eventually survived the Holocaust. But he lost his wife, he lost his father, He lost his mother, and he lost his brother, who were all murdered in Nazi concentration camps. When asked what was key to surviving the Holocaust, he often noted the following. He said, those who looked out for others, those that weren't concerned and consumed by themselves, despite the situation and the circumstances, those that looked out for others found meaning and purpose in their lives. And this pulled them through each day. He says, but those that focused on themselves, just trying to get through the day, surviving it on their own. Even though they may have managed, have managed to score a little more food, a little more food, a little more warmth. They were often the first ones to give up and lose hope. Friends, God has designed us for purpose. And when we exercise the purpose, there is a supernatural hope and a supernatural faith that saturates our spirit, regardless of the circumstances. You may be looking at your circumstances right now. You may be uncertain about where the next meal may come from. And if you are uncertain about your next meal, please contact us because we have a crisis response team that is ready to respond to your immediate needs. But you may be uncertain about the next meal. And where that might come from. You may be uncertain about what your job's gonna look like by the end of this month. You might be wondering about how you're gonna make ends meet because income may have dried up. Friends, regardless of the circumstances, I'd like to urge you to stop and rather fear what may or may not be. Look at what you have in your hands. Look at what God has given you and ask yourself this question. Lord, what do you want me to do with this? Lord, whose life do you want me to touch? Who do you want me to encourage? How can I be a blessing? For many of us, we may be feeling that this is the time to be prudent and to cut back. And I would urge you to be prudent and to cut back on unnecessary expenditure where you can. But in that process, friends, let not, let's not eat the seed that God has given us. The seed to sow into the lives of others. Let's not forget our purpose. Lord, who do you want to touch through me? Finally, this morning, I want to reflect on the third lens, the lens of perseverance. Verse 12 says, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice in as much as you participate in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may be Overjoyed when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed for the Spirit of God, sorry, for the Spirit of glory and of God rests on you. Verse 19 So then, those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful Creator and continue to do good. I don't know about you, but I'm really, really glad Peter waited until the end of his letter to get to the higher grade stuff. I mean, again, this probably looks like uber-looney tune, uber-kind-of-fantasy. Come on, Peter. How does perseverance build hope and faith? Surely I just want to get through this as fast as possible, and the sooner I can get through it, I can breathe and then be full of hope and faith once more. But Peter says no perseverance itself builds this hope and faith. Fortunately, we all understand perspective by this stage. Fortunately, we all understand purpose. So at least he eases us into the real higher grade stuff by the end of the letter. But not all the apostles are the same. Flick three or four pages back and there's a letter from James to the churches. And James starts this way, he says, hi guys, it's James, verse 2, consider it pure joy when you face many trials and temptations, because the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work that we may be mature, complete, not lacking in anything. Don't know about you, but I'm pretty glad James wasn't my pastor. Makes me even super grateful, even more super grateful for Simon and Lindy. How about that? Good morning, folks. Consider it all joy. Trials, temptations, hallelujah, more Lord. But James is revealing something that was so critical for the body of Christ to understand. James, again, is not naive. James, again, is not kind of some theoretical doctrine. James is speaking to the midst of a crisis in the body of Christ. And he says, I'm not going to mix my words. I'm going to get straight to the point. Consider it pure joy when you're in the middle of a trial. Why? Because it matures us. It completes us until we lack absolutely nothing. I've got an illustration that I want to take you through today, in the few minutes that are remaining, and, um, and uh, I brought a couple of props with me. And um, this prop over here, well, before we start, l- let, me, let me get ready for this, because, uh, and, and before you become really impressed, this is the first time I've ever put this apron on, so I'm not sure how this is gonna turn out, but let's give it a go anyway. During lockdown, the family have been experimenting with things around the kitchen, a little baking, cooking, etc And I've been a, a willing recipient of all the good stuff that's been coming out of the kitchen. And as I was chatting to my good friend, Pastor Bill Anstruther, he gave me a great illustration that kind of brings across this point of how perseverance builds hope and builds faith. And so this box represents, let's say it's my life, okay? And in this box... God has given us, given Dorian some strengths and abilities, right? And uh, what do they look like? Well, hallelujah, God has given me, He's given, He's put some eggs in my life, and that's a strength I'm particularly grateful and fond of. And He's put some self-raising flour in my life, and uh, there's some milk in my life, and these are super, super strengths. In fact, I'm very proud of these. And so God comes along to Dorian and he says, Dorian, I'm really pleased about what's happening in your life. I'm pleased that you're wanting to use these strengths to serve me. Can we go to the next level? And of course I say, God, I would love to go to the next level with you. So God says, well, the next level is going to take quite a bit of sacrifice. God, whatever it is, I understand perspective. I understand purpose. Whatever the sacrifice, God, I'm there. Let's do it. So God says, you sure? Bring it on, Lord.
1: Ah! God,
0: what are you doing? You've just... Uh, uh, what? I was proud of that egg. And God says, Dorian, I thought you said you were cool with this. I thought you said um, you're happy to do whatever it takes. Yeah, but God, you broke me. You, 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 you exposed me. What's going to happen to the strength that you've placed inside of me? God says, well, when I said I was going to use you, I meant just that. I'm going to use you. You sure you're okay with it? Well, Lord, it wasn't quite what I expected, but okay, Father. I guess the worst's over, so let's go. Well, Dorian, um, it's going to get a little worse, but uh, you see, so what I need to do, we're going to have to mix you up a little bit. And so, you know, this beautiful shaped egg is going to get whisked around a bit, and it's not going to feel that pleasant. But, of course, now I'm maturing in God and I'm saying, okay, Lord, if this is what it's going to take, this is what it's going to take. God says, good news is uh, you'll notice that um, some of that milk, I'm going to add some of that into this whole mix as well. And uh, some of the self raising flour, ah, that's exactly what we need. And I'm going to put some of that into this equation too. And so, uh, bear with me, Dorian, but we are going to be adding a bit more of this stuff in here. Don't look too closely at the quantities. I've never done this in my life before, right? But God knows what he's doing. So uh, God's mixing all this up. He says, Dorian, I'm really excited about how well you're taking this, and I'm really excited about what I'm in your life. What should we do with you? What should we do? Ah, Dorian, I know just what I want to do with you. I know just what's in store. Need a bit more of this milk strength that I've placed. And we are going to we are gonna get this really good. Lord, what are we doing? We're making an omelet? No, Dorian. I don't think an omelet is what I've got in store for you and for your life. Ah, you know what I'm thinking? I'm thinking chocolate brownies. Lord, that sounds awesome, but um. You're going to have to put a few more strengths in my life because I think we're missing a few ingredients. Yeah, I could put strengths in your life, Dorian, but you know there's another way we can do this. We can uh, bring a couple of other brothers and sisters to the party as well. Um, Okay, Lord, what do you mean? Well, you know um, Sister Coco. Oh, Lord, I love Sister Coco. She's awesome. She's amazing. Great. Well, how about we add a bit of Sister Coco into your life and see where that takes us? Lord, that's a great idea. And so we're adding a bit of sister cocoa here. Because you can't make chocolate brownies without cocoa. All right? And so we're adding a bit of sister cocoa and things are going well. Hallelujah. Man, this reminds me of when I used to make mud cakes in the garden. Long, long time ago. So God's mixing all of this stuff up. He's kind of preparing the batter, whisking around. It's uncomfortable at times, but we know there's a bigger purpose. God says, you know what? There's still something missing. I know what it is. Brother xylitol. Brother xylitol? God, you've got to be kidding, man. That guy just thinks he's sugar, and we know, man, xylitol is not sugar. Dorian, you're going to have to trust me on this one, because I made xylitol, and I know what we need to do. I know what we need, because I'm making a very special chocolate brownie recipe, and it calls for xylitol, not sugar. And so... Even it scratches, and it's not that pleasant because, let's face it, not all relationships in the body of Christ are pleasant. We persevere and we press on because we realize God's got a bigger plan. And when God is finished, that process, he turns to Dorian, sister Coco and brother Xylitol, and he says, guys, we're almost done. One more part of the process. And this process might seem like the worst, but don't worry. I know you can do it. Because whilst I've been mixing you together and refining you and preparing you, I turned up the oven at the back there. And I'm about to pop you guys in at 180 degrees Celsius to finally prepare you. Because you see, my plan for you is that I turn you into the most beautiful chocolate brownies so that when the world sees them when the world sees them smells them and tastes them the world is going to be reminded of the goodness and the greatness of who i am the goodness and the greatness of who i've made you because of who because i live inside of you and the goodness and the greatness of what i want to do in their lives and so friends When we have the lens of perspective, the lens of purpose, and the lens of perseverance, it changes everything. We're able to look at what the world throws us and we realize, God, you're in control. So friends, as we wrap up today, there's stuff inside of you that needs to come out. There's things in your life that God's been challenging you about, especially over the last few weeks. When the pressures have been increasing. I want to urge you today. Repent quickly. I want to urge you today. Say Lord Jesus. Take this. I don't want this in my life. I want to be represented. With your goodness. And your greatness. I want to be like this nachi. I want to be like those chocolate brownies. That you're busy doing. That you're busy preparing. That you're making. And if that's you. Then I want to encourage you right now. Wherever you are just to say this prayer off to me. Dear Lord Jesus, I give you those parts of my life that are not of you. I give you those parts of my life that when squeezed, produce evil, produce discord, leave a sour taste in other people's lives. Father, I commit myself entirely to you. I say, Lord, make a way inside of me, become Lord of my life, and rule over it. And then, friends, as we tackle the challenges that life throws at us, let's remember that God uses that suffering and that persecution to build faith and to build hope. And over this next week, as we reflect on that, let's do it with the lens, firstly, of perspective. Compared to what He has done for us and what He has healed us of, these are momentary and light. Let's remember purpose. There is a purpose that we're on this planet. It's to be his hands and his feet, to love and to serve. And finally, friends, perseverance. Perseverance is what takes us from a bunch of strengths in our lives to ultimately what God wants to create. God bless you. Have a tremendous week, and we look forward to seeing you next week.
1: Thank you Pastor Dorian for such a powerful word. Um, Church, I just want to ask you to just let that word simmer. Um, The Bible says the word of God brings truth and it brings truth to the lies um, that we are believing that the enemy is tormenting us with on a daily basis. The word of God brings truth Uh, and I pray that you know during the week you will connect with um, your connect group online and begin to just um, share how this word has impacted you, how this word has transformed you. I just want to remind you again that we have prayer um, every day at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. Please join us and pray in your homes. And also on Thursday at 6 p.m. to 7 p.m., we have corporate prayer. Please do not miss that. It is a wonderful time to just stand in the gap Um, for our nation, for for the world during this time. If you need prayer for anything, please contact our WhatsApp number on the screen right now. And if you want to know how do you get into a relationship with Jesus, also please um, WhatsApp um, that number on the screen um, for counseling the same WhatsApp number. Thank you so much. God bless you. We'll see you next week, Sunday.